Yeah, story is king is a saying that they throw around in side of Pixar and, yeah, quality over time constraints as well. Like some examples, I guess, <laughs> I think Monsters, Inc. took five years to make. Uh, they've cut whole films and remade them from the bottom up, Toy Story 2, they did uh, that and they actually got rid of the directors and started again. That's that's pretty inspirational, mate. Or, or, <laughs> yeah. Or, or it would have been unbelievably tough at the time. But can you imagine, you know, after you've, having spent years developing a particular film and then just axing it completely? Incredibly difficult. <laughs> he says the right people and the right combination is more important than good ideas. Ideas come from people, not the other way around. Mm. So he also decided not to go into the director video market, which was at the time a huge source of revenue for Disney. Incredibly popular, these sort of uh, VHS videos, or I suppose whether it got to DVDs at that point, but that would sell, you know, animated um, movies direct to VHS that, you know, you could buy for your kids and watch at home but they felt that they weren't going to be able to produce the quality that they believed in and so completely ignored that market. So what, So and that means that their focus was where, mate? Well, it was in the feature films mm. um, and making things like Toy Story and Finding Nemo and Monsters, Inc. and A Bug's Life and, and really, you know, creating a really new, fresh type of deep story and engaging like Ratatouille, one of their movies, is one of my favourite movies. It's so, I don't know, something about it. It's just so touching. It's its ridiculous and it's about a rat, you know. The hero's journey, right? really, The hero's journey. Yeah, they, they make it kind of appeal to everyone and it's its pretty amazing feat. When they're going to do a innovation or, um, you know, creative storming session, they basically remove the backstop of time um, off the back of the, the meeting or the workshop. So, you know, they might say, we're going to start our meeting at 2 p.m., but you guys need to commit that you're not going to have to leave in one hour's time or, you know, two hours' time. We're here until we've generated what we need to generate today. We're providing mm. the space. And that's a pretty interesting concept. Mm. And it's 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 certainly something that doesn't mesh too well into what we see as the corporate way of life. I think it needs to be modelled from the top too. You got to see the people at the top make those mistakes, and I think that's something that they do at Pixar pretty well um, with John Lasseter and and everybody at this kind of high end creative. Yeah, well, and the those guys are very much on the ground, you know. They're, they're in the mix. Yeah, they're in the trenches. Yeah, and I think that's um, that's that's super important and something that we gets drummed into certainly our, what our career paths were originally um, in the engineering space, mate. Yeah, so it's definitely strongly, strongly encouraged to I think spend I, time I, on when, site. When you say strongly encouraged, I think you mean forced. <laughs> forced, mandatory is that you have to go and experience it on the ground and – and that's um, integral to your learning and 
and people won't respect you if you haven't been out there and, and done it yourself. Uh, it's kind of part of the culture. I think it's a very Australian thing, actually. I, I, but I suspect that's the case everywhere too. You know, I, I would suspect that over in the States or over in the UK, if you've come out of graduated, you come out, the first thing you're doing is you're being on, on the site. I think um, some of my some of my colleagues um, from Ireland, at least, they started out as there's this idea of like starting out as surveying. They do a lot of surveying. Yeah, that happens in England too. Yeah, but I think that that you know, tall poppy syndromes an Australian saying, and you know, people. There's a great quote from this book uh, to Brooke, written by Peter Fitzsimons about the Australians fighting in alongside the English and others in uh, World War II in Tobruk and they held off the Germans and it was this kind of famous story. Now, there's probably a lot of propaganda in this book, I felt, <laughs> reading it, <laughs> but it was a really good, interesting read. And don't, 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 don't let that get in the way of a good story though, mate. That's right. So there's a story in it that I seem to have stuck with me where there's a bunch of Aussies digging trenches in the hot Egyptian sun um, and they're, you know, all there with their shirts off um, with shovels just mm. middle of the day, sun beating down and this bunch of English uh, soldiers walks up including this captain and he's pristinely dressed, you know, with all the bells and whistles, you know, ironed everything you know, fully decked out. I actually thought there was like a brigade of captains, you know. It was like a few of <laughs> well, them. Well, I think there was this one particular one who came up and said, you Australians, you know, they just kept digging as these English people walked past. And one of the captains goes, hey, you salute us, you know. Um, where are We are your superiors. You, you know, you must follow the chain of command. And one of the Aussie guys puts down his... Uh, shovel gets out of the thing goes and grabs his shirt slowly puts it on and he's a ma- he's the major of the australian whatever uh brigade or whatever and he says you know what you salute me because i outrank you you know sorry sir i think you just put his shirt on and say have it you salute me and then probably take <laughs> it back off and th- get back on the shovel well that's what the story is is that then he said, you know, piss off and then he took his shirt off and kept digging. <laughs> and that's kind of the story that is part of the Australian culture that we like to think that that kind of thing happens and you, everyone's in there together. Yeah. You know, they hold special meetings to be candid and that's something that I think works. Uh, I know my brother was telling me on the ship he was recently on, he's in the Navy. I think I've talked about him before on the podcast. Uh, the recent ship he was on, his captain held a meeting every Tuesday where everyone would sit, all the officers would sit down and tell the tell each other what pissed each other off about things. It was just this one-hour meeting where you could say whatever you wanted and it kind of, it wasn't that you couldn't say whatever you wanted outside of that, but he made the captain made space for a strong opinions, honesty, non-emotional kind of this is how we get better sort of if you, you're not doing this well, et cetera, et cetera. And it went always, you know, and that's hard in the military. 
Yeah. I yeah, so, particularly yeah. the hierarchical nature of it. I'm I'm genuinely surprised that that kind of actually went on. But I th- yeah. but I think the apparently it worked excellently. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think the key is those, you know, in in the case of your brother and in the case of um, these meetings that they have um, at Pixar. It's not a complaining session. Yeah, it's not to complain. No. So complaints are just, you know, they're, they're just the same thing as not saying what you really mean because all that's behind them is some, you know, egotistical agenda. And so it's about being really open and genuinely critical in the pursuit of the overall mission. Constructive. Yeah, yeah it's constructive. So they call these meetings the Brains Trust and they have them that review all the movies um, as they're going along and everyone sits around and talks about what could be better about this or that particular scene and the directors of the movies bring in the different parts that they want to work on. And it's not, and it's not like it's not that innovative of a concept in terms of a governance because all that Brains Trust is is basically a steering group. Yeah, it's a, it's a project control group but but i think it's different because it digs in yeah so I was, into the ground level i was going to say but what Sorry. yeah <laughs> i interrupted you but, again but what they actually do and how they conduct the particular project control groups if you will you know getting very clinical on it is different i would suspect from many project control groups that i've been in for example um where quite often there's there's too many agendas and and people aren't leaving things at the door or people are trying to find an easier way out of something. Um, Is it because there's no clear objective as such? Like I imagine these, it's like make this scene better is the one objective of that meeting. But some of the governance stuff that I've been involved in is is kind of very high level, you know, You're kind of looking at the overall picture. Yeah, maybe, and maybe, maybe there's maybe there's too much, yeah, too much involved. Um, you're looking at too broad a brush of the entire thing, and so, which is quite interesting because what actually tends to happen in those type of meetings is because you're say presenting the entire status of the whole project at one point in time, um, people get caught up in, you know, in an issue, for example, you know you have an issue you had an issue for the last the last period of time and people become so consumed by that one issue but across the entire space of the project it's it's meaningless and it's going to result in meaningless things rather than focusing on how we can maybe improve or construct or do something better mm-hmm. and I, I i see that as people just wanting to exert some authority and people wanting to uh, push some sort of agenda quite often. Um, and I think that's maybe where it falls down. Whereas in the case of the Brains Trust, the whole idea is to leave all that, you know, at the door, which is a hard thing mm. to do. Yeah. But they're trying to create a safe space to do it. And the other interesting thing about this is that it wasn't just a once-off. So Ed and John took over Disney when Disney bought Pixar. They actually put – tried. Disney said, we want to replicate Pixar's 
we'll keep you as a separate company. We want to replicate Pixar's culture within the Disney animation studio. And they went over there and basically used these same principles and fixed Disney and they've made lots of hits uh, from that point on because they've they've kind of used these ideas and this structure. It's really the thing that really strikes me about this book is it's super interesting how they're able to create a structure for creativity. Yeah, yeah and that's and that's why I think, you know, that as you said at the start, that motto, which is, you know, story is king, trust the process. Or maybe maybe it should be flipped around the other way. It should be trust the process, but story is king. You know? Mm. It's kind of, but yeah. You know, you know, they've created they've created this um, process which is usually associated with being a limiting thing but have allowed it to help with something that allows for something that requires space which is creativity 